You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, I'm so happy to have um, as the guest here in the studio, audience, not on audience, they are the show, Terry Saris, Frank Paul, Doug Shimon. Um, we're going to be talking about their work with Little Bang Theory, their films, and also the Ann Arbor Film Festival that's happening right now that everyone can go to tonight. And tonight you'll be playing at nine. Is it nine thirty p.m. at Michigan Theater? Nine thirty. Yeah. Nine thirty. Yep. In the uh, what do they call that room? The main theater. The main theater. The, the big. Thanks yeah. for having one. us, too. Oh, you. Terry, thanks so much <laughs> for being here today. I know it's it's a busy day. Um, so, what did? Can we start by talking about what we heard at the top of the program? Uh, it's called Dimitri Rides Again, and we. That's a tune that we've never played live. And what I hinted about earlier was that um, I think the group wanted to play it live. And and sometimes I record things and say, this is a little Bang Theory song, honest. And then and then, ev- then everybody does their overdubs. Everybody huh. learns it. And then... How did Little Bang Theory start? Because you guys, Little Bang Theory, if I'm understanding this correctly and totally correct me if I'm not, <laughs> you accompany um, the silent films. Like, that's part of... Like, is that that what you do is that the main um, um driving force or are you also do light light shows like i saw you performing at mocad with joshua white and gary uh, panter's Painter. light show well we that we played our music at that show that wasn't accompanying a film in fact we started as a band a tree we started as a quartet actually um and we play we're a toy band so we play toys and we sit a, sit around a table when we were in that iteration where we were playing just compositions that weren't tied to films. And then we started um, doing scores to silent films and have started to kind of do that fairly regularly. But that's not where we started. How did the how did the idea for Toy Band start? Because I love seeing you, because you all face together. Um, and I could tell from the clip at MoCAD that it was you had an unusual array of instruments that multiple things were played by everyone was yeah Doug what yeah tell us about that. <laughs> well well at least the the forming of it was really was Frank's idea um <clears throat> I was sort of the fourth member that came in and we have our missing member Claudette who is no longer with us in the band oh okay, and, and okay. hopefully <laughs> we'll see her tonight at oh, the theater I hope right so. Claudette, Claudette. <laughs> come on down Claudette <laughs> don't go to that other movie <laughs> so for me it was a phone call from Frank saying hey I you know have this idea of doing this group with these toys and it's this piece of music and and it was Frank and Terry and Claudette and I came over and it was this 
25-minute piece of music that Frank had written that was sort of the first incarnation of what we were going to be playing. So When, when it was 11 minutes long, I played it for Terry and Claudette, and they said, well, you know, you should really have a band that, that uh, plays that. And I said, well, fine, then learn it because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's not – it's not like people are advertising, you know – I really I play Fisher Price, but piano. Looking for a band, you know, like uh, that doesn't happen. So Doug did. That's how we got him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so it really came about because they liked this piece that started as 11 minutes. I kept on adding to it, and like Doug said, it ended up being 25 minutes long, and I had uh, you know over a dozen. And how many, how many years ago was this? Like, wh- how long has Little Bang Theory been? It's been over together? 10 years. No, 2007. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, happy decade. Thank you, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And how did you start getting involved with the Ann Arbor Film Festival? Was it because you began making films, or had you already been making films before Little Bang Theory came to be? Or Well, that's what I, my actual you know, art, art practice is filmmaking now. It, I used to be a dancer in town. And um, have shown films at the film festival. First, actually, a film about Frank in 2010. And then uh, in the last couple of years, I've had films at the festival. But I've been going to the festival since the early 70s. Because I grew up in Plymouth and would come to Ann Arbor for the films that the cinema guilds showed. And it was our film education, really, because that was in a time before DVDs and YouTube and Vimeo. You had and, to come to the theater. Well, you really. just see anything just, other than mainstream. So right. we would actually sometimes come and we would start at MLB and just go to a 7 to 9 and then run across the diag and get to, to Lorch and see a 9 o'clock and then sometimes <laughs> run back to MLB to see a third. We'd call it tripling. And then so the, along there somewhere, I, I went to my first film festival and have pretty vivid memories of a couple of the films, Sally Crookshank's um, Quasi at the Quacadero and um, the Snake Fingers, The Man in the Dark Sedan. And those those films sort of just like blew my mind. But then so, you know, I, I've gone away to college and things, but then I when I came back here and now that I've been working at the university for 30 years, but have gone to the film festival quite regularly. So. So the film thing is a little bit separate than the toy band, and they came together around the fact that we've played these scores, which are two often kind of non-mainstream silent films, like the one of the ones we did a few years ago at the festival was a score to Starvich uh, animation called The Mascot. And then this we proposed because the film is a 1926 film that's very experimental, a Japanese film called A Page of Madness. So that's what we're playing to tonight. That'll be tonight at 9.30 at Michigan Theater. But we also have two films, Frank and I, in the festival this year. Which which films are these and what days? One is called Circular, and it's showing Friday in the 7 o'clock screening. And... And, and the other Ziegler? one is uh, no Ziegler was uh, a couple years ago. Yep. Uh, the other film is Clowning Around, and it's showing sometime on Saturday, Saturday at the music video program at seven yeah. at Lord Hall. Oh, yeah, great. And those are you know they're shot on sixteen millimeter, which is something I really have enjoyed doing in the last five years. Why is that, Terry? Um, probably there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one of them is I I really enjoy the craft of filmmaking as filmmaking, you know, working with celluloid and the sort of care that it takes. And also because it seems the the ideas that we've been using are appropriate to these, what I call legacy technologies, where, <laughs> right. where you're using these things that are, uh, 
harder typewriters. And harder yeah, totally. Are the featured in your film. The credits are yeah, yeah. Are done with typewriters. So yeah, that's a it's a good analogy because those things are they're deliberate and intentional choices to use the typewriter as well as the film equipment rather than digital. Well, I thought it was brilliant in, in Ziegler how the typewriter then became um, the visual, like the way of doing the um, the the title cards, rather. So mm-hmm. it was just like, and it was being typed, so you had that auditory of the sounds of the, the clicking typewriter and seeing it scroll up to see. But yeah, I thought that was great. I bet Buster Keaton would have liked that. <laughs> he would be jealous, I think, actually. And uh, Terry can correct me, uh, uh, but uh, I believe that the text all was from the Herman Hess short story. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, which we have a copy of here. Oh, <laughs> and, you're I was, kidding. Well, because I was hoping at some point we could talk about how you work in adaptation mm-hmm. with the short mm-hmm. films, too. I don't know if we want to this go... Is, I mean, this is a show about writers, so we, <laughs> yeah. we're glad that you're thinking of music as writing yes. and filmmaking as writing. Composition. Really nice. yeah. yeah. Right? Well... I'll just say a little something about adaptation. I'm really interested in adaptation, particularly in how much you can get away from a literal transcription of the story to make changes in it and, you know, make it less explicitly literal. So the story is really distilled, the Ziegler story. You know, it's in some ways apologies to Herman Hesse because I think uh, the story is so much richer in terms of the language and what is actually in the story about the character, that a lot of that was left out in an attempt to make it visual and move quickly and also to make the title cards quick and streamlined. You can't have typing forever on the screen with all the language. So, But it feels like there's so much um, pathos that then enters in with the, the what, what this... Um, genre affords like Mm -hmm. with the images that are there and the the editing too I I feel like watching it you can feel something so immediately like when they're you're cutting to faces of the different dolls Mm -hmm. who are are people um I don't know if you could say something to that Terry, are you are you who edits the film? So we'll have to talk about the whole process. Terry Terry does. I do. And I think uh, part of that pathos is um they aren't just dolls. They're distressed dolls. They're, they're definitely that, beat up. They've been through the wars. Somebody else would have discarded, but not Terry. <laughs> well, that <laughs> seems part of the mission of it, and that shows the story and the despair in the character. It is, and it also I think it in this is when you were asking about shooting on film. It's it's this idea of kind of like a pastness about the toys and about film and about the typewriter and the the toys are actually thanks to our friend Mike Woodruff, who those were his sisters toys or dolls when she, I think they're from the 30s I don't know if they had been in his family but he was you know getting rid of them and he brought them to a birthday party for me and I was just like oh my god these are fantastic <laughs> best they're, present they're, ever <laughs> they're frozen into these really like tortured shapes and one and some of them because it's an old plastic that's kind of hardening sometimes parts of them fall off and there's just a wire sticking out of an arm they're really really amazing and they're a fireman and a doctor and a, a father and a mother and a baby a and so we didn't use all of them a nurse and this one very poignant character who's sort of standing a little bit like a skew that we decided was Ziegler mm. and so he's become our Ziegler so well let's take a short break sure. and then we'll come back um now we're going to hear an audio clip from in at Tokyo yeah. um and this featured voice that everyone will hear will be also he will be performing tonight as a benchy correct chris okay yeah. well let's hear it and then we'll come back and talk about it okay 
工場は随分あるけどね。今何食いたいやっぱりお酒かいよし一杯行こう<音楽>この酒うまいだろう Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm glad you did. You've got Living Writers. And, and today on the program, I'm so glad to have Little Bang Theory joining me、um, to talk about、um, their, their musical compositions as well as their, their films that are in、um, the Ann Arbor Film Festival, as well as the accompaniment that will be happening tonight at 9 30 p.m. to a film called A Page of Madness. And what we just heard was、um, a part. A clip from an inn at Tokyo,、um, which features the Benshi、um, Ichiro Katayoka. Thank you, Doug.、Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, who, will be, who will be performing this evening? Yes, with you. He will, he'll narrate and tell the story. So, is that the, is that the work of a Benshi? Yep, that、then? is the traditional work of a Benshi. He is the storyteller. So,、um, what they did in the old days of silent films was they would instill some of their own political. Insight. And so I believe the police, the locals, did not like a lot of the benches and the work that they were doing because they would get political while telling the stories to these films that were being shown. Get so, political. Yes, so is that something、yeah. to expect tonight as well? Oh, <laughs> Depend- who knows? Know. Depending know. on know. the film, I mean, they were also interpretive. So、yeah. the benches are known for their skill as interpreter of a story and kind of retelling of a story. And Ichiro, he, he、um, will perform all these different voices, like you just heard in the clip, him performing the voices of the children、um, in, in at Tokyo. And he does a woman's voice, not like he's trying to, you know, Do a falsetto or anything, but he, the way he emotes the various characters. I mean, we, we've been practicing together as a trio for quite a while for this film, and he just got here from New York, then Germany, and Japan. He's all over the world. And、um, the first time he rehearsed with us, I mean, Doug, we yeah, talked we were, about it. We were blown away by it.、Um, he just brought so much character. To, to the film by his narration. And even though we don't speak or understand Japanese, you all of a sudden understand what these characters are going through and, and、um, you hear their voices. It's、That's, so emotive. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems like then you can also see the shift or hear the shift in the characters、yes. as well、yeah. through his body, how、yeah. he's using his voice. It sounds amazing. And thanks to、um, Marcus Nornes, who's a colleague of mine who、uh, sort of introduced us to Ichiro. And has worked a lot to bring him here、um, to do different performances through Center for Japanese Studies. And he is responsible for curating this, making this happen tonight. And so, when you mentioned earlier, did you propose to have this film in the, the Ann Arbor Film Festival with your accompaniment and Ichiro as well?、Uh, as we proposed it. And then, when they said they were interested, we had to make sure that we could do it with. Because it, it,、um, 
that's huge, you know, because he does travel uh, so much that um, we were fortunate that he was in New York this past weekend because uh, it's cost prohibitive to fly him in um, from Tokyo, unless you have very deep pockets. Right. Yeah. Benchies are not cheap. <laughs> you can't put a price on storytelling. Yeah, no. we could have gotten a cheap Benchie, but... Not the cut. We don't want the cut We could have got number three. Yeah. We won't. No, no naming no, names. Yeah, yeah. yeah, keep the Benchie community happy. Um, uh, well, it's interesting, though, because this reminds me of... Um, I was watching a few of your pieces online and um, an interview with you, Frank, actually, where you said when you're working with your students, you want to have things, um, their projects, when they come to you, you say they have to be doable. Like, that's how <laughs> we're going to start, you know, helping you construct. Like, you can't have a car chase, for example. And and you were talking about it in relation to your work with Ziegler, like how it was constructed and how, for example, Terry, you had... Um, the dolls, and then there was like an upside down surrealist painting as a backdrop that became the zoo. I think as well. well I I collect a lot of paintings from painters who I admire, and also um, like yard sale paintings, and particularly oil paintings. And they they I've come to realize they make great film backgrounds, either upside down or right side up. Why upside down? Is it well to if it's too literal? Surreal? Or? Yeah, yeah. If it's too literal, I'll turn it upside there down. There was a flower in it, and I think um, it looked too rooted. Yeah, and then <laughs> when I shoot them, I shoot with a selective depth of field so that the the background is slightly out of focus and the characters in focus. So you don't really see it as a painting. It could be just, you know, I mean, you see it as a background. Mm -hmm. But there's also one that I have where we use it for sort of a cityscape. So that's a more literal painting, but just because it's. You know, it's a it's a, a Bernard Buffet painting from the fifties, which is, you know, it just serves as a city. And then you were able to shoot it close where I think Frank, you said your hand was moving um, Ziegler, the 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 um, the, the toy mm -hmm. that was Ziegler's um, character. Um, but you kept you cropped it so that you couldn't see the hand. Obviously, you could just see parts of the body moving across the cityscape as well. Um, that, that seems so marvelous to create this sort of um, it's a visceral. And well, then with a layer of the music as well and the voices. And um, as far as the hand thing, that's um, uh, it's a bit of a shortcut because uh, 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 Terry does animate frequently and there is animation in uh, Circular and, and Ziegler. And stop motion. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. And um, clowning around. But to animate a uh, four to seven minute film is a lot of work. You'd still be making it. And <laughs> I think Ziegler was done in a day as far as um, all of the footage. So That's um, kind of mind blowing when you think about production, isn't it? Yeah, you can't do. Uh, I, I know this is it's four minutes and 30 some seconds or something like that. Um, but um, but th that's that would be that would be almost impossible to... in, in uh, stop motion animation. So um, we, you know, it's nice to have a scene where we can get like ten seconds of him walking. It's not m impossible for patient people, but that wouldn't describe us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there are films at no, the festival most that people are would say, Most people would say a minute uh, a day would be pretty impressive. Maybe I mean, animation. I, we saw some last night that were animated. So, oh, have Amazing. you guys been enjoying the the festival so far? Then? Yeah, and yeah. maybe a, a a shout out to thank. Um, 
Leslie Raymond, the executive director of Amber Film Katie. Festival, for reaching out today, right. and, and Sue Dice, Sue Dice. for yes, connecting us all, because yeah. so happy to have you guys here. Oh, um, thank you. And to have a window in on your project, because it's, I loved it. I love the sounds of it, and we'll be hearing more as the program goes on. All the music today that you hear on the program is created by um, by these three wonderful people, uh, Terry, Saris, Frank, Paul, and Doug Shimon, um, the Shim Man. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the Men of Shim. Yeah. You, you seem like you have maybe some wise words, um, Doug. Um, I don't have too many wise words. Um, I, one thing I'd like to say is that, you know, similar to these toys that make it into the films is very similar to the toys that are sitting all around us, especially with what Terry plays. And depending on what film we're performing or when you you were talking about the videos you watched online that have us sitting around the table with our whole toy collection, you know, a lot of those toys are old toys and rusty and you never know when it's not going to make that one last turn you're very delicate but it sounds so good and you know how do you so we bring the toys how do you or or yeah well, or what were you going to say well i think a lot of it is that you know frank and terry have been collecting this stuff for a very long time you know frank has almost a museum of musical toys that you can pull something off the shelf and start playing in it. Oh, no, it doesn't fit there, but it'll fit in the next section, you know? And so there's a lot of that goes on. And then sometimes once we start figuring out what all these toys do for us, they start reappearing mm. in the pieces of music. Like, oh, I think this will sound good here. And, you know, so then they kind of live in the band and some of them been, have been with us for 10 years now. <laughs> when I first started going out with Frank, which was some years ago now, um, we used to go like thrift shopping. We'd go to like Value Village or something, and he would go right to the stuffed animals in the back and start squeezing them all. And I would think, what is he doing? And he was looking for the noisemaker ones, which you don't you don't find so much anymore. But there are these Ooh, things that make like but pet toys, maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, but Frank anyway, always had his... you know one of his early collections were these sampling teddy bears. Yeah, those oh, are the, the ones. So the Teddy Ruxpin. And, Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, Fr Frank Blast would do me. these great solo performances where he'd have these two st <laughs> stuffed oh. animals. It was kind of like Ted, the movie Ted, but with Frank <laughs> playing. And then, and then he would get these loops going between yeah, Teddy um, Ruxpin. Pete the Repeating Parrot is uh, something that you may have seen at Toys R Us in the past. No, but it sounds great. 20 years or so. Yeah, but um, it, it takes some work to actually dissect them and not have them fall apart. But um, like Doug said... If you set up two of them, then at a certain point, you can start the conversation, and then you can step back, and the two boxes will just um, talk to themselves, talk to each other until it's just white noise. And then when you're composing with the process, are you then adding in other, or would maybe that Teddy Ruxpin white noise effect is more singular is not something that's typical of what no, uh, you not. guys are and, and I've, to, I honestly have never owned a Teddy Ruxpin people just say I, I have and that's okay Doug <laughs> I didn't say Teddy you're not the first one I did I said well I, 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 say like, did I, I might have thrown that anyway. out there. I, I never said Teddy Ruxpin no but I, but I, I let I the say, record show <laughs> I, I have felt up more toys than I should um, Terry was absolutely he's right. obviously dissected none of yeah and the sad thing is if I like them a lot I I will destroy them because I want what's inside, um, you know, this, what this their hearts. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, um, well which, some of them actually have record players. You know, a lot of the old ones. Oh. Um, there are records inside of the ones from the 1960s, and Thomas Edison's um, 
uh, first talking doll was an extension of his uh, invention, the gramophone. So they actually had a fairly <clears throat> small for the time, but a large record player inside. And they were each um, individually, uh, they were individual performances. So they would, he would hire these teenage girls to, to say, um, you know, the Lord's Prayer into this box. When that was done, they'd take another box. So each one was actually an individual performance. They weren't mass produced. Wow. So, and and you have like I don't I don't have like any of the Thomas Edison are, ones. But but it sounds because so it's also interesting how it's all interconnected. So, the the music is made by the toys. Then these these older, like toys or dolls, figure in as characters in the films. Um, it comes out of sort of I think a. Um, both we we both have this passion for kind of like repurposing and also just all kinds of found stuff and bricolage those kinds of things yes. and i actually make the dolls some of the dolls that are in the movie the the, the, the those in circular are those, those are things i've made not the not the main character which is a marionette that i bought in an estate sale but the uh, the, uh, the other ones the are all made and the heart that the, the heart like, that heart was that heart's a um pincushion that i bought at a yard sale so they're all they all have their story, and yeah, they're all I think they're all kind of a related pursuit or practice. The idea of these kind of found things that are given new life. new life, and in our toy band, usually Doug plays a first act or a my fir, uh, uh, American Idol American drum, Idol toy drum set, just that some parent was getting rid of when their kid outgrew it, and so you know we try to find new uses for things and adopt them and bring them into <laughs> yes. the, the musical fold <laughs> well let's take a short break and then we'll come back um we're going to hear another song by little bang theory you've got living writers i'm t hetzel today on the program terry saris is here frank paul doug shimon and we've got the liz behind the glass we'll be back <laughs>
welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Um, today on the program, uh, Terry Saris is here, Frank Paul, Doug Shimon, um, Little Bang Theory, um, the band, the, um, the, 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 I don't know, the phenomena. <laughs> <laughs> They're ca- we're called local darlings in the Ann Arbor Press. I don't know where they oh, got that, that wow. for the festival. Like, what? Local that, darlings? That seems like a pretty, uh, that's yeah. like, I, I don't think that gets bestowed easily, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, well, so can you talk us a little bit about the, the song we just heard, the, the piece we just heard? Because that, yeah. Um, the last piece uh, was a piece that I wrote for the band, which, you know, um, it 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 was just a piece of music that I thought would fit really well with the band. Hey, this sounds like a little bank theory. So, so piece how of do music. you start? Like, can you talk um, us through the process? I a little you know bit? I just came up with uh, both the the part on baritone ukulele and sort of the melody, and then gave it to Frank and Terry. And we've been doing this now for ten years, so we're really good at you know doing our thing on on each other's music that then sort of fits into place, you know, and, and knowing like what each person does and Frank, you know, I think you could whistle here and, you know, so, and that's kind of how we pieced it together. And so it sounds like you, you produce like a, a a track and then you guys layer onto it or then do you, after you usually it's, you know, usually it's Frank and, and, you know, so like the soundtrack, um, that we're going to be performing tonight is another amazing piece of music that Frank has written that, um, you know, he'll come up with these melodies and these these sections and movements that then Terry and I and Frank will work together and, and sort of put our things on top of it and then sort of piece it all together. Um, and so most of the music is written by Frank, and but we certainly all play a role. And then, you know, and then when we all start singing, then it's just pure beauty. <laughs> oh, well, one thing, could, could we have a sample? <laughs> I think you just heard it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am. Um, D- you know, Doug's actually the. Um, the best voice in the group. Best vocalist. Right. Yeah. I must fess up that I'm the least musically talented of the three. He has, Doug has, you know, quite a history in the Detroit music scene with Immigrant Sons and Suki Gunn and a lot of bands in Detroit. Um, and Frank, uh, you know, has been in Detroit doing a lot of musical things for a long time, including Only a Mother, which is probably his best known band, uh, Zenharmonic Gamelan. Um, we'll be hearing Scavenger, from Scavenger Quartet. He's also got a group now called The Lovely and the Wretched, which is kind of a recombinant group with mm-hmm. a di- different people. But I don't ever consider myself a musician. I mean, I do know music a little bit, but I'm really kind of the Foley person of the group. So I'm the one who gets to play all the kind of fun, quirky stuff. And usually when we play, if we play the toys, truly, you know, the little kids will just gather around what I'm doing because I do a lot of sound effects and the weird kind of things that don't take a musically trained person really to play them. But you have an ear, though. You well, have an ear, and you have a yeah. A, a yeah she's a, she's actually is a musician. So yeah, it seems like at least... I, I think my talent is more for like you know helping finesse the arrangement because because I know film better than I do music. You know, I can say this this should go here or this the film is doing this here. Or don't put that there or change that or let's extend this. You know, that's my contribution. I think. And it's kind of an extension of um, her practice as a filmmaker, I think, in that um, what she brings to the band um, that is kind of difficult to describe is editing. Um, so she will frequently say, "Let's, why don't we try this theme there? Why don't we try this piece? Like, uh, there's for the Sterovich program, uh, we, we had to learn a bunch of um, short films by Ladislav Sterovich. Um, and... 
we already chose the film, and then Terry said, well, just humor me. Try playing Dada Boy Paints on Canvas. An existing uh, song. An existing yeah. song that I wrote ages ago, and it was and so it, easy. It, it, and it, <laughs> it was so easy. The film too mm-hmm. um, perfectly. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I think like the an interesting transition we haven't talked about was that one of the pieces that we were playing as a group was this great montage of the Magnificent Seven with the Seventh Samurai, with a little bit of Ennio Morricone uh, on the end of it, and we had been doing that for quite some time, and then Terry cut together a great segment from all the trailers of the film to the piece of music that we'd already been playing so we didn't re we didn't have to relearn it or change it too much and so that was sort of like what we first started playing i think was one of those i think that was the first film we played to wasn't it we also we also played some soundtrack music from other films that already existed we played music that frank had adapted from the films of jacques tati and uh, what else did we play that was Morricone's uh, Caroline. Um, That's what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. um, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yep. Frank, uh, people, when they used to see Frank's music, with after Only a Mother, kind of, I guess also with Only a Mother, yeah, a lot of Only a Mother that is the instrumental stuff, people would say, and this when I first met Frank, I said to him, you know, your music is so cinematic. Can I make a film to that music, which is how we met. And then we sort of traded. I did a music video for his band, and he did music for what I was working on. So, you know, that was even before we were ever accompanying films. His film has been sort of cons- – his music has been considered by people to be quite cinematic, or they see movies when they listen to it. So, so. Yeah, and what does that – I mean, how can we articulate that? Or how can – Terry, how can you articulate that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have the best chance of all of us in articulating it. I don't know really how to describe it. What do you think? People tell you that a lot, Frank. I think what happens is I, um, well, <laughs> I was a I was a DJ on this station. Yeah, and I did <laughs> um, got a history here. Frank. Six to nine Sunday mornings, and I played nothing but uh, uh, soundtracks for um, I don't know. Why, why are we looking at Liz? <laughs> Liz is omniscient. Um, why the Liz? It seems she like I, I must have held the you know I must have done the show for over a year. I. You know, which I know is nothing as far as um, you know in <laughs> no, CBN not. time. But you've but, got um, you've, you're you're, you're here three this hours is... a week, and so um, and Doug and I both listen to more soundtracks than the average person. So and, you're absorbing it all yep. the time, yeah. like yeah. how you tick, um, sort of thing. So it makes sense you might and, translate it into creations. And when I do, um, I also notate music, and um, you know, I frequently just to I cut to the short and I go. This section, just just think of Morricone. This section, it's it's Michael Nyman. I know it. This section is Rachel Portman, um, and I it's not. Seeny. It's not, but it's yeah, yeah. I quote. I don't quote. Yeah, when, maybe I quote. When you're doing so for tonight's performance, um, a page of madness at nine thirty at Michigan Theater. Are you, um, like how how long is tonight's? film it's 60 minutes 60 minutes so when you have 60 minutes how much of this is orchestrated so you know everything by the movement because like with each row involved too it seems like it might be more exact or how close is is it a 60 yep it is a 60 minute piece of music that we put together and pretty much play identical every time so really okay with with some spaces for a little bit of variation and you know in fact our name little bang theory was derived from the idea that 
Who's was it? Pierre Schiffer said. Oh yeah, you should. Uh, Fred, Frederick Rizuski. Rizuski. Every moment of music when you're like playing together can be a little bang. In other words, it could be something that creates some other direction that you go into. So we do have a, a real structure for the film. Yeah, it's, it's definitely organic, and there's a lot of sp- space to sort of play in between. But there are these movements that take place with the scenes and the characters. And, and what happens is, and it's it's because I listen to a lot of program music, um, uh, I don't write 30 themes for a film, but there will be at least 30 pieces of music, but there will be five or six variations on everything. So you'll hear, and if, even if it's not a variation, it's it may be a um, rhythmic callback to an earlier section, even though the notes and the chord might be different because for example like that would work as a thread to help people understand that something's connecting to an early sure. time in yeah. the film yeah. or a like a character's connection to some mm. other character yeah. Or yeah. So. And, and, and it's very composed it's mm-hmm. not improv you know we right. don't we're not up there just hitting yeah. stuff i mean and right, also right. we're you know it, it really is and also when when it's we say prokofiev no. i mean <laughs> i mean prokofiev did that all you know like peter and the wolf when, when you think of it it's like oh. it's definitely like you know when the wolf is coming. You know when right. each character is coming. Yeah, it's programmatic a little bit, but not. We also, you know, when when we say we're playing toys, no one should mistake that for it not being serious composed music because it is. It's just toys are part of it. Right, and so, a lot of a lot of real in- instruments have made their way back into yeah. the group. So also tonight, <laughs> yeah. yeah, tonight is uh, tonight is over half. And tonight, <laughs> the, we're, I'm actually playing something that Frank built, which is called we call it the Novello Violin, Ooh. which is um, it's on this sort of like old table stand, and it's a box, just a box, like a vintage box, from which he's also um, taken the interior guts of toy pianos and fastened them and chuck. Uh, clock chime parts to the box and so I bow these things and also sort of hammer them sometimes and <laughs> we played a, a score <laughs> to the, the Hitchcock film The Lodger the star of that film is a, a matinee kind of idol called Ivor Novello who Doug and I are which they have the Ivor Novello awards in England right. named wow. after him but it's we, such a great name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we started calling it the Novello Violin. Right. So I play yeah. the Novello Violin yeah. tonight. And, and then that was a 90-minute piece of music, a 90-minute film yeah. that we performed. So yeah, a challenge. Yeah. And, and we don't have anything written down. It, I mean, at some point we have notes yeah. and then they end up being discarded. But um, I So you just have it all sort of embodied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And are you also, when the film is playing are you looking to it like are you also facing it so that you're kind of having that experience flow over you as well okay so and we're looking for our cues and yeah sometimes we're in a pit but we're not tonight we're on the stage on the the sort of apron of the stage and and then um each ichiro uh kata oka Mm-hmm. Um, he will be there tonight yep. as well yes. with his yep. singing and um, and you said that he also he writes what he's will sing. Um, it's not really singing; it's more spoken. Spoken, yeah. yep. yes. Um, yeah, he writes his own script, um, which is in a in a way it's also another form of adaptation um, because he um, I, I'm sure that he's done hundreds of films, um, so he's got his own. Library of scripts that he's adapted, right. but you know when you see, it, it's a creative benchy that 
is able to watch it and go, okay, well, this is probably what they're saying. Um, well, well, it's interesting. Too. And this film has no inner titles. Right. That's what I was just so, going to ask because it, um, the the one that you guys kindly sent me in it and in at Tokyo, um, it did have inner titles mm-hmm. or yeah. so. But of course, I didn't know if it was matching with what the characters then or the voice was saying, the Benchy was saying. Well, but even then, you would no... still have to extrapolate a lot because there's so much more speaking in, in in a Tokyo. Um, yes. Yeah. This one will be not translated. So the, the so- his voice is really more of a kind of a sound element that if you know Japanese, you'll know what he's saying. But, you know, we don't know what he's saying. But fact, you were saying that you did feel Doug, yes, earlier. Yeah, you were certainly. saying that yeah. you, you could yeah, feel you what feel, he was saying, yep, the emotive. You, yep. For each of these characters that he's voicing. We've done uh, two um, O2 films, also a Japanese filmmaker. And um, uh, the first time we worked with Ichiro, I mean, I remember just like, you know, uh, but I knew the film had emotional depth, but then I heard it beyond the music and beyond the visuals, and it and it was um, it was a moment. And and tonight people could have a, a moment too, perhaps mm-hmm. find a moment um, at Michigan Theater with with you guys. Um, Just one uh, more thing about that. I mean, we, there's a print. It's a film print, which you know, we, we practice on this little computer with a kind of YouTube version, pixelated <laughs> digital image. And they, that the festival, sometimes. yeah, the festival actually got a print from the Eastman House. 35 it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it distressed cool. and old, but it, it's really something which, to play to a print. Which is more beautiful, right? right? That's yeah. the, okay. So today on the... Oh, print, and this, was, uh, this film was lost for about 50 years. Yeah, too. Yep, it was so found. It's, it's very yeah. significant, you know, that... Um, it's out and being shown again. Yes. I interrupted you. That's okay. So That's bad. okay. We're going to be back. We're going to be back. And um, Frank Paul and Terry Cyrus and Doug Shimon will be talking more on Living Writers today. Little Bang Theory is here. Um, I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be back. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Little Bang Theory is here. We've been talking about the Ann Arbor Film Festival, which is happening now. Um, so today, Terry Saris is here. Frank Paul, Doug Shimon. Um, thank you guys so much um, for you. coming in to talk with me today. Because today of all days, like you're you're busy. You're going to have the show this evening where you'll be playing on stage at the Michigan Theater. Past my bedtime, I might have. <laughs> <laughs> I know, 930. <laughs> Why couldn't it be bumped up earlier? But but oh um but you'll also have um like more opportunities for folks to intersect with you too later this week. Um Circular will be Friday at seven PM. Um and then Saturday there's clowning around, which we just heard 
part of? Is that right? Or, no. Or no? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Okay. Set me right, guys. <laughs> what did we just hear? Uh, we just heard um, uh, Musique for Bass, and um, it's from Musique for Bass. It's, it's a um, uh, CD I put out a few years ago with um, Christophe Pechenatz, who um, performs under the name of Klimperai. I've never met him. We've got three CDs we've done together. Um, well, that's an interesting collaboration, isn't it? Yeah. So all audio. He yeah. lives in France. Oh. So they just do it. Keeps band fights to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Yeah. I don't even want to see you for a while. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. And is this the theme song that was chosen for the Ann Arbor Film Festival? It, it was um, used in a trailer made by oh. Gary Schwartz okay. a few years ago. Okay. Um, so I'm close. I'm getting closer <laughs> with my question. And I can't even remember where that Budai, uh, you know, because we're singing. That's what I was going to ask you, too. Um, so those really were your voices. Yeah. There, yeah. So you are mm-hmm. using your voice. Um, and it's probably, I'm, I'm thinking, Esquivel. I'm, you know how, how it, right. I, I right. said I quote certain people? Yes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Not to worry. That? The sound do You better look yeah. out. He's um, going to take that table and turn it into something for the toy band. But for tonight? Es- Esquivel yeah. had, um, uh, would take uh, singers and have them sing Zoob. Zoob, 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 Zoob. You know. Right. So, right. you know, we just came up with the nonsense syllables, Budai, Budai, Uai, Uai. But I, I do wonder. The, cl- the clowning around uh, film that we have is actually... It's a music video for a little piece of music that is a little Bang Theory score to the um, film Laugh, Clown, Laugh, which we also have a score to. And, you know, it's I just have a lot of stuff, and, and there are all these little clowns. So one day, Frank and I were literally clowning around <laughs> with film and animating these little toy clown figures. And so it's it's a music video, and there's you'll see there's a little glockenspiel in it, and one of the things we play, and then it's it's really just clowns goofing around. That's it. It's clowning around. And how? And what's the length of this film? Two minutes. Terry? Okay. Two minutes. No, long. it's one something. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I think it's shorter than two yeah. minutes. It's so probably one minute. And what is it? So, um, so what does it evoke? Because it feels like it would be something that you would feel something about from what? Like, ex- if you're a... afraid of clowns, you're not going <laughs> to like it. Coolerophobia. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see it. Seriously. So it couldn't be something that people could use to sort of change someone's clown experience. Well, they're toys. So they're so they cute can... little toys. They're cute. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I would also say in some of your films, like in Circular and in Ziegler, um, they're dolls and mm-hmm. they can't hurt you. But then some of the dolls look menacing because they're eyeless or how how the roles that they're playing right. in the in the story. Yep. Um, so maybe yeah. So for clowning around, only go if you're okay with clowns. Is what <laughs> I'm hearing. They're cute clowns. <laughs> and the, the the nice thing about uh, that experience was since we were just messing around. Um, I used flashlights and lenses um, in ways that we hadn't before, and the flashlights came back in circular mm-hmm. when we filmed it, yep. which is not a very conventional way to light with using film, but um, oh. hopefully people will come and see it, and they'll say, how did you do it? So, for example, you would have the flashlight in the film over, I over would the use mari- it marionette? With, Going through lenses. There's one, oh, there's a, one scene where there's a character. This this film is based on a adaptation, a revisionist adaptation of a story by Louise Borges, Jorge Luis Borges, a 1940s story, Circular Ruins, um, and the in it in that story, if you know it, um, the it's sort of a dreamer who dreams another character to life, and he's a he. He's in a the he. Story, and yes. you transform it. 
I did. It's a revisionist adaptation. (laughs) They say, call it the radicalization of the source text, if you want to get academic about it. (laughs) Why not? um, (laughs) Yeah. um, um, My mother had passed away, and it sort of occurred to me that Borges is writing about a man creating another man, and it's really women who create humans, literally. Well, men do too, but the women give birth to them. And I was thinking about her giving birth to me, and then my sort of practice as a filmmaker, which is all about fabricating worlds. So the film has a lot to do with her creating me, but me creating the world and also recognizing in, you know, some Buddhist thought that life is illusion. So it's all about this idea of these levels of illusion and creation. And it's a metaphor or allegory for the creative practice, creative practice. And you dedicated it to your mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And earlier, Terry, you were talking about how you'll take a source text mm-hmm. and then um, you'll like you'll pair it away. And, and can you talk a little bit more about that? How you how because it is transformed, although the feeling, I believe, at least for my own experience, was similar. Like I, this like there was something true and authentic um, that they were partners, each of these, the Sporky story mm-hmm. and your, your revisionist mm-hmm. um, translation. <laughs> I, I always feel like I'm, you know, doing a real disservice or, you know, harm to the stories in a way. But, you know, that's what adaptation is. It's like a revisioning of something. So it's funny because I sometimes can get really indignant when someone messes with things I feel are really canonical, like, you know, people people online who do bad soundtracks to Maya Darren's films, which I consider really important. But then I, I laughingly admit, well, we're doing soundtracks. Like, who am I to get righteous about somebody else doing a soundtrack? So, you know, with adaptation, I feel like I'm paring it down to what I figure is kind of essential, but also really, you know, being sad that I have to let go of some of the writer's language. And we did that to the Borges story and also to the Hesse story. It's you know, there's so there's so much beauty. Someone recently watched Ziegler and said that they had missed some like big plot point. And I realize that's the danger of it. Like, you know, if you if you weren't watching carefully or didn't read the subtitle or the, the intertitle, you might have missed and you might have might have been you that said it. Someone missed No, but the idea. I did see the clip, so yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. And I was like when the person mentioned it, um, I was I was like, How did you miss that? Right. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you were very actually Frank was very graceful because he didn't say that. You just Oh, kind it was of Dana. Moved on. Dana on, yeah. on the, the interview on, on TV, that's where it was. Anyway, so you know, adaptation is sort of this like But it take... was there. But it was, it was. interesting that yeah. one viewer did miss it. Exactly. Because it's a different kind of pacing. I think right. that's what you're talking about too, right? Well also when you're using those little worlds that we create, it's it's um not literal. So we use like for example a doll and then in another shot a hand comes in holding this little thing that Ziegler has stolen from this exhibit in a museum, this kind of alchemical um exhibit, and he eats it. And you know, um, the the intertitle says, you know, he swallows it, and then later he's at the zoo. So there's a lot of ellipsis that right. is left out, and if people miss it, they miss it. But, you know, that you know it's hard to separate yourself from that when you're making it because you work so much on it. You might have missed something that someone isn't going to get because you know it Some from the Some of the, the connected story. tissue yeah, yeah, exactly. is a bridge that right. might be. But that's why it also feels like these films, though, are evocative because – if you're reading, for example, The Circular Ruins, you have a text on a page. Mm-hmm. So you have one type of experience and you have your imagined, your mind, right? right. But with what you're making with the um, with Circular, it becomes this really different 
peace where because you're feeling and you're seeing and you're hearing so many different things in the same moment. Well, two things I think about it, just I know we're almost out of time, but the this story was also so dense that it was not conducive to use inner, the inner titles. So the sound is actually uh, sung, spoken and sung by Shara Nova, uh, Shara... Of um, my, my brightest, my brightest diamond. diamond, and you know, she just came in and transformed what what I had written down. She I gave us ten. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I I just thought she was going to read it, and she just uh, kind of naturally started yeah. singing parts of it, and then Frank went ahead and layered some of it. I had not intended to to do the soundtrack in front of her, but she said, "Well, what are you intending for the music? You know, I might want to sing along with it." So it's like, well, do you mind waiting? For a few minutes, and so I just did the music there on the spot, and we're using it. Um, but it was it was pretty amazing because she's incredibly intuitive, and um, hopefully we'll work together again because uh, it, it was a blast, and and she gave us so many directions we we could have hung ourselves on that one. It was also like you know like with a really good actress, you would I would say to her, well, just like I wouldn't give her like a direct line read. I would just say like more. I don't know, I can't remember what I would say, but she would just like come out with this thing, which it was way more than I had ever yeah. imagined. Would she be seeing the film of of No, it no. wasn't even it or? wasn't even shot. We I mean, sent her shot, we sent her the, the text. text. We sent her the text. And the that other thing it. about it is, you know, because they're toys in these constructions, it's never a literal adaptation. I'm not trying to do like a one for one, even of the things that are beautiful language. So for example, in the Borges story, it says something about then the sky took on the color of leopard's gums. And, you know, I'm not going to shoot the gums of a leopard. Like, that would be ridiculous. So the idea of opening up this kind of space in the film. So instead, we bought this little, like, toy fire thing that you can get, get at Halloween. And that becomes the fire that's projected onto this character with kind of a reddish color. So it has the color of leopard's gums. But it's not literal. Just like language is poetic. And evocative. The film adds a, another dimension of that. And so, and that is the experience. Like you're feeling all of that at once. Thank you guys so much. This, speaking with you today, this for me the hour has flown by. <laughs> so you'll have to come back again. Um, Doug Shimon. Do Frank we have to write Paul, books first? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's keep talking about what you're making because it also feels like once you guys have someone who comes into your orbit, you. You keep them in the orbit. They become part of this, like, a, a long-term collaboration or so. I don't know. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. With the toy band and yeah, and everyone. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you. Thank you, too. And please come back thank anytime. You, yeah. um, a page of <laughs> <laughs> So you've been listening to Living Writers. Little Bang Theory will we'll be going out on, on another one of their, their wonderful songs. Terry Saris, Frank Paul, Doug Shimon. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time.
Welcome to the Daily Sports Report on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Andrew Hausman, and we got a brand new Andrew in the house as well. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself first, DSR, but also Austin Felco and Evan Austin in the house. Andrew, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. First time DSR member, happy to join us. Hey, how's it going? My name's Andrew Crouch. I'm a sport management major. I'm a freshman, and I'm really happy that I'm here. Nice. All right. Well, we're glad to have him here, and we got a busy day ahead of us. Uh, we're going to kick things off with some Michigan sports, then get into the World Baseball Classic, and maybe go into a little bit of non-Michigan Sweet 16 preview uh, because there will be lots of Michigan basketball talk tomorrow. So if you want to hear the Michigan basketball preview of the Sweet 16 game, be sure to tune in tomorrow. DSR at 6 o'clock.